on Sermon on the Mount at the moment, but um, this morning I'd like to speak into a bit of where we feel, uh, where we are as a church this morning and where we feel like we're going into. And some context for those of you who haven't been with us before we start today. Um, as a church, we feel we're called to the whole of Stratford-on-Avon, the larger district um, that the town of Stratford-upon-Avon is in. And we feel we're being called as bringers of the good news into every home, every school, every workplace. God calls us to disciple those around us and point them to an active and present Jesus displayed in our own lives. And we're also called to be Jesus' hands and feet in those areas, to serve the poor, to lift up the downtrodden, to point to Jesus, our Savior, who can and has rescued us from the own pits in our life that we find ourselves in. Now, we know that we can't do that from one building, from this building. And so over the last two years, we've gone on a bit of a journey, a bit of an adventure, and we've been meeting together in smaller groups called Gospel Communities and splitting our Sunday gatherings between gathering as a wider church and gathering as a smaller church in, in, in those smaller groups. And we continue to know that we can't do what we feel we're being called to do by God from one building. But what we've realized is we, we need consistency of meeting, of worshiping together, of praying for one another and teaching one another. And so from September, when we next meet, we're going to be rejoining together here at the URC uh, every week from 10.30 a.m. And it's going to look a bit different from what our normal Sunday gatherings look like. We don't yet know precisely what that's going to be like, but we know two things. Number one, everything we do at OCC will be led by Jesus, but focused on our values and our commitment to one another. And number two, we can't demonstrate discipleship when we're being led by a small number of people at the front. And God has called some of us into leadership responsibilities, but my experience of God is limited by my own experience. I can learn and I can I teach via faith. I can read things of the Bible and I can preach by faith and say, I've not seen this in my own life. But my own examples and my own experience limits what I can say that I've seen. I can't share what's happened in Meg's life, in Nigel's life. So as part of our gatherings, we're going to be creating more space for people sharing the good news that God is doing in their life and for people to lead us in prayer and worship. That doesn't mean we're all going to have everyone up the front singing. Don't worry. We're going to find new creative means of leading us uh, into God's presence together. Um, we know that this is not going to be our final form. We know that we want to see vibrant, gospel-saturated communities in other parts of Stratford-on-Avon district. Separate groups of disciples meeting together, celebrating what God has done, building each other up, training one another, and showing God's love in radical ways. And so we will look to plant gospel communities again in the future. But in the meantime, as we've decided to rejoin, there's been one verse we feel God has been highlighting to us during the season. Um, and that's in Acts chapter 4, verse 32. Now the entire group of those who believed were of one heart and mind. And no one claimed that any of his possessions was his own. But instead they held everything in common. With great power, the apostles were giving testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And great grace was on all of them. For there was not a needy person among them because all who owned lands or houses sold them 
brought the proceeds of what was sold, and laid them at the apostles' feet. This was distributed to each person as they had need. One heart, one mind. So we have this verse as a powerful reminder of God's ability to bring those who he has called together in a unique and astounding way. With one heart, the believers were in agreement with what they believed, with who Jesus was, who Jesus is, and what he had done for them. With one, with one mind, the believers acted practically as one, with shared purpose, direction, and calling. And as a church, we long for this unity, not just for Oasis, not for just those that are in these walls, but the entire global church and the other churches in Stratford-upon-Avon. But what does this mean practically? How do we live with one heart and one mind? I want to quickly unpack this morning, um, and to do that, I'll be using some of our um, values at Oasis. Um, for those of you that don't know them, there are eight. So my sermon has eight points this, this morning, so we should be here to about four, four o'clock. But I'll, uh, I'll try and uh, uh, remove uh, some of the content in the, in the interest of time. At Oasis, what we've done is we've broken uh, what we see, our relationship with God, and how we, are, how we see Jesus live into a rhythm of life that we can apply to our own lives. And this is a rather embarrassingly small picture that I thought would be a lot bigger this morning. So if you need to get some binoculars out to actually see it, or maybe come and see it afterwards. The fact that we've got four directions in our lives. Up, our relationship with God, in our relationship with each other as believers, out our relationship with the world, and down times of rest with God. And we've mapped two of our values at Oasis to each direction. That's how we see us apply this rule of life as a trellis onto our own lives, and how we're going to prioritize these values uh, in times together as a church. So, I'm going to wrap, go through these uh, quickly this morning, and then there's just going to be a time of reflection um, and discussion with those around you. Um, so let's start off with prayer. So one of our up values is prayer. Acts 1, verse 12. Then the apostles returned to Jerusalem from the hill called the Mount of Olives, a Sabbath day's walk from the city. When they arrived, they went upstairs to the room where they were staying. Those present were Peter, John, James, Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James, son of Alphaeus, and Simon the Zealot, and Judah, son of James. They all joined together constantly in prayer, along with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. So just to set the scene here, the apostles had just seen Jesus ascend into heaven after witnessing Jesus' death, his resurrection from the dead, and Jesus appearing to them many times and spending time with his disciples. And Jesus, before he descended, he had promised to the apostles, a helper. He promised them the Holy Spirit. But the Holy Spirit hadn't come yet as it wasn't yet Pentecost. Now, I don't know how these apostles felt, but for me, after just witnessing that, I would feel a bit lost, a bit confused. But in this moment, despite everything, we see Jesus' followers united in prayer. And from hearing so many different testimonies about times where God has poured out his Spirit and birth the fresh movement of his presence amongst his people. I think there's typically two things we see. One typically is a time of crisis. When we're pressed in, when things haven't gone our way, there is something in our crying out to God, or just in God's infinite grace and his goodness, that we can expect God to move. 
And secondly, these times are always born out of prayer. Prayer that is committed, long-term, and corporate. And so we're going to be lift, uplifting times of prayer for one another at Oasis, in our Sunday gatherings, in our smaller missionary households, but also together as one group. And so over the next few weeks, we're going to be relaunching our daily prayer, prayer sessions, one in the morning and one in the evening on Zoom, just 15 minutes every day just to bookend, uh, help bookend our day and, and spend some time together praying, praying for other members of the church, praying for those around us in the Stratford district. But I just encourage one another just to pray. If you're meeting a fellow believer, just spend some time in prayer. Let our, let our times together be ones of prayer and encouragement as we speak up God together in those times. Our second up value is creativity. Um, and our worship is more than just singing songs to God. We're called to be living sacrifices to de dedicate our whole lives to God. And in that, there is an opportunity to show our God-given creativity in worship to him. Not only through artistic talents, but all the gifts that God has given us to create, to bring something out of nothing, out, something out of the chaos, as we see in the Genesis story. Acts uh, chapter 6, verse 1. In those days, as the disciples were increasing in number, there arose a complaint by the Hellenistic Jews against the Hebraic Jews that their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution. The twelve summoned the whole company of the disciples and said, it would not be right for us to give up preaching the word of God to wait on tables. Brothers and sisters, select from among you seven men of good reputation, full of the spirit and wisdom, whom we can appoint to this duty. But we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. This proposal pleased the whole company. So they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and the Holy Spirit, and Philip, Prochorus, Nicanor, Timon, Perineus, and Nicolaus, a convert from Antioch. Round of applause for that, thank you. They had them stand before the apostles who prayed and laid their hands on them. So I don't know if anyone knows me, but I have very limited artistic talents. But God has given me a natural understanding of systems, of computers, of organizations to systematize and organize people and things. And I use these gifts creatively for the glory of God, not only for the church, but also in my own home and in my wider community. And here we see the disciples coming together and growing in number, and growth creates new problems of organizations, of jobs to be done. And as we meet back together, there's gonna to be more jobs and more opportunities to serve. Not only, in a sun, not only on a Sunday, but also in our own lives as we step out into the new areas where God's calling us. So as we meet together in September, can you bring an artistic expression of praise? Can you lead others in praising God through a talent that God has given you? Or can you use other gifts to serve others and God, serve God's church? Can you organize a food rotor for those in need? Can you sign people up to help fix the garden of the neighbor that needs an extra hand? Can you distribute a daily Bible verse to those that need encouragement? As a side of our faith that tends to diminish these roles and these responsibilities, that we grin and bear it to make way for the important stuff. But God wants to breathe life into these tasks and roles and give us an opportunity to worship and serve him in new and exciting ways. And I'm really excited to see where God's calling us into these next, uh, next few months. 
Next, learning, one of our in-values, um, and we are um, passionate about God's Word at Oasis, and we also think that there is a place in our lives for solo, solo Bible reading, for diving into God's Word, digging deep into the meaning, and let the Holy Spirit allow us to, uh, to, to um, internalize God's Word in a new way. But I don't think this was the primary way for which God intends us to learn who, about who he is. Because theory is really, really important, but the application is vital if we're to live a life that looks like Jesus. And if we look to the example of Jesus, yes, he preached, yes, he prayed for those and he healed those, but he also lived life with them, got down into the muck of everyday life. That's why our in values are learning and community, because you don't get one without the other. This is not to say that God doesn't reveal himself to those that don't yet know him miraculously through his word. God, God does astounding things beyond our imagination. He can and he does do this. But we don't share the good news with people by throwing Bibles at them, expecting them to be converted. Acts chapter 2 verse 42. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and signs were being performed through the apostles. Now all the believers were together and held all things in common. They sold their possessions and pr property and distributed the proceeds to all as, as any had need. Every day they devoted themselves to meeting together in the temple and broke bread from house to house. They ate their food with joyful and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all people. Every day the Lord added to their number those who were being saved. There's a reason why Jesus used so many food metaphors when referring to God's word. We're meant to be hungry to experience God and seek it out in our own lives as, just as we need food. And here the early believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching to look for ways to satisfy their hunger for God's word, but learned in a context in community with one another. Because it's, to be honest, it's really easy to to digest and abide by God's word in here. This is a safe space to practice it. I can say, you know, I can preach from God's word and it feels great and then we go out of that door and suddenly we're in a very, very different space. We're, we go out into a world where people are hurting and broken. For those whose lives don't look like the life we like to project on a Sunday morning. So we know that we're all those broken people. But we have Jesus. If we're not living it when it's difficult in those day-to-day -day decisions where we have to choose to follow Jesus over following our own ambition, how can we be called followers of Jesus? That's why we need one another to, to learn from and to teach. Ask yourself, who are you teaching in your life? Who are you discipling? Who have you invited to see how you follow Jesus in your own life. When things always don't look as pretty as they do, when things don't go well, who are, you, who are you inviting in to show your response to that? Moving on to community, not only were they devoted to the teaching, but also to the fellowship, to one another, and to breaking bread together. They had food together, they shared their lives together. Every day they devoted themselves to meeting together in the temple and broke bread from house to house. What does it mean to be devoted to one another? 
as we meet together, there's an opportunity we have to prefer one another over ourselves. I'm not always going to get what I want out of every Sunday gathering. And that's right. This is not the church of Philip Howe. You'll be pleased to know. But there's a time of laying down my own wants and inviting God in for what we all need together. When we prefer one another to ourselves, we begin to share more of our lives. There's something interesting when we do this. When we share our time, open up our houses, share our possessions, we become, we become to become more reliant on one another. If I don't build up my own things, my own possessions, build up my own castle, withdraw the drawbridge, I don't have everything I need. I'm forced to leave it and leave my castle and to go and be reliant on others. Can we make a conscious decision this morning to be less self-sufficient for the sake of the gospel? Can we be vulnerable? And moving into our out direction, so our relationship with the world. We know that if we want to see the worshiping communities of believers spread throughout the district, we need to be present outside of the church. And that's us as individuals in our daily lives, in the mundane and the ordinary, because we know that God is active and present in our lives, and our whole lives are to be that living sacrifice. But also, we're to be sent out in smaller groups. At Oasis, we call those missional households. We see these groups of typically around 12 people, three to five households, meeting together, discipling one another, but also giving opportunities to those who don't yet know Jesus in, to give them a chance to see what God is doing in our lives and to practically show the love of Jesus to those that need it most. We want to confirm our, uh, reconfirm our commitment to missional households over the next season. If you're not part of one, I'd encourage you to come and speak to me uh, or Alan after the service um, and would love to connect you with one during the season. This is important during our time of coming together, reconstituting, being in one heart and one mind, because it gives us this opportunity to model to one another what, that, what that when we can invite those that don't yet know Jesus in. Because if we're not sh- sharing the gospel and showing hospitality to those that know Jesus, how will we do it for those that don't? And our first out value, gospel. Are we sharing the good news with one another? How often do I measure my state of being over what I have? How, how, or how I feel versus the truth that God loves me and the assurance that I have in his son. Too often I quantify my happiness through how my work is, how the kids are, whether we're getting enough sleep. But I find myself skipping out from redeclaring the goodness that God has put on my life. And to be truthful, I'm not jumping out of bed every morning, praising God and declaring the truth of the gospel. We have a very, very, uh, we have a, a three-year-old, uh, three-month-old son uh, who's often crying at 5 a.m. in the morning. So life very literally gets in the way of that. It's important to share our burdens and be real. We all can't put on the facade of being totally on fire for God 100% of the time. So in these moments, we need to, as um, Alan said, we need to be working out our own salvation for us pushing into God every day, actually sharing those things that God has done, sharing that truth with others that we'd meet with. 
Otherwise, it all gets a bit depressing. So in those moments, I need someone to say to me, yes, Phil, I remember it was tough bringing up young children, but I've been reflecting on how good God is and how freely he has given us his son. Isn't that amazing as a father? I need that nudge. I need that reminder, that declaration in those moments of the good news that we want to share. That section in Acts 4, with great power, the apostles were giving testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was on all of them. We expect God to move. We expect God to heal the sick, to mend the brokenhearted, to set people free from addictions, set people free from darkness, set people free from despair. But those are not the end goals in and of themselves. They point to a bigger story of Jesus and our ultimate salvation in him. If we're not sharing that amongst us, how are we going to share that with the world? Also, in that verse, it talks about the the disciples' hospitality for one another. Now, the entire group of those who believed were of one heart and mind, and no one claimed that any of his possessions was his own, but instead they held everything in common. Do you have needs? Do we have needs? This is a serious question. Like, modern life is designed to eliminate those needs, give you anything, everything you could want, anything you could need. And instead, it redirects those our attention to the things we want instead, and suddenly the things that we want become the things that we need. This is actually that we've been journeying over this time, that actually, for those of us that are able to, we, don't, we need to be vulnerable in those moments. Can we deliberately give something up so that we actually have needs? Can we actually be uh, uh, reliant on one another with those around us? Because we can't receive love if we don't have needs of our own. If you have needs this morning, do people know that you have them? Sometimes it's easy to go on with a brave face, not to be honest with what we need. In those moments of vulnerability, it's important we have the boldness to make people aware what we need. So we give those around us an opportunity to meet it. Last but not least, our our down direction, a time of Sabbath and celebration. God has invited us to rest in him, to set aside time for him. The early disciples would still have uh, observed the Jewish Sabbath during this time of meeting together. And through all of this, all this meeting together, this sharing, fellowship with one another, breaking bread, They found the time to refrain from work, to worship God, and to delight in what he has given us. In those times, God is inviting us to see what he has made holy. As he's set apart this day, this time for us. To be shown what God has made holy in us and in our own lives through his son Jesus. And although we're not bound by the letter of the law, we're invited to rest in God and to celebrate with each other God's goodness in what he has provided. Ultimately, we get to act with one mind and one heart because we share in God's grace and God's love for us. He binds us together as we're bound in him. We have that same direction, that same focus same path for our lives. 
Bible uses that picture of the bride and the bridegroom. We are one body sewn together and offered to Jesus. Ezekiel chapter 11, verses 19 to 20. I will give them an integrity of heart and put a new spirit within them. I will remove their heart of stone from their bodies and give them a heart of flesh so that they will follow my statues, keep my ordinances and practice them. They will be my people and I will be their God. This act of unity is not a new idea in the New Testament. This is a continual story all the way back from the Old Testament. And it's through Jesus that we have that ability to be in unity with one another, to act with one heart and one mind. And it's through Jesus that we get this heart of flesh that allows us to even attempt this. Everything good comes from God. And through Jesus, we now get to live and share the goodness of God. So I want us to do something practical. Um, and we're going to do a bit of uh, activity. So I just want us, we're going to have um, maybe four or five minutes just of quiet reflection. So just together, um, just we're not going to play any music. We're not going to say anything. Just I want us just to reflect and just pray with God. Just Has there been anything that I've mentioned this morning, any one of those values that you'd like to make a commitment to? In this coming week, is there one new thing that is going to um, increase our unity as brothers and sisters together? Is there one thing that we can act with one heart and one mind over this week? In fact, it's going to be, it's going to be difficult for me, so it's going to be difficult for all of us. So I'd just like us just to spend just some time just um, reflecting with God, be as quiet as it can be with children at the back. Um, but just spend some time reflecting on that. And then after that, we're going to play some music. And I'd just like you just to chat with the person next to you or the per- people around you. Maybe share that commitment that you've made if you're, if, you, if you're able to share that, just to keep one another accountable in terms of what we're going to add this week, how we're going to reshape and change our life, redirect our life uh, to be brothers and sisters together. So yeah, let's just uh, we'll just spend five minutes, and then we'll uh, put, we'll put some music on.